father's heart saying, hey, these things are wrong and you're doing it. We got to like get it right so that you can have relationship with the Lord so that this church can impact the city. He's like, we want revival, but you guys are like, I, I planted this church four years ago and I have planted it with an idea that, you, that this church would totally impact culture, but the culture is impacting you. And so he writes the first six chapters to just say, knock it off. That's not who you really are. Like, you're so much better. God called you higher than this is what those first six chapters are all about. And then he takes a turn here as we start in chapter 7, and it, it's, it's really just answering their questions. Um, for, for, ma- the, for the majority of the remainder of the whole book is, is answering their questions. So um, whereas uh, as, we, as we looked at the first six chapters, a lot of us would be thinking, um, this church is, is 100% dysfunctional. Um, there, it, it has, uh, I mean, this is not a church we'd want to attend and all this stuff. It, the good news is, is there were still believers within that place that were just, they were wanting to serve God, but they were in the midst of, of just a crazy culture. And this heart of wanting to serve God, some of these questions came out. There was even some kind of a warped sense of spirituality that they had. And so they would go, any of you ever had a pendulum swing or, where you're like, you're, you're living in sin and all of a sudden whoosh, over here and now everything's like legalism, and all, right? And, 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 and Paul's like, well, let's let that come back just a little bit here. And, and so, but it's a good heart though. Their heart was, some of these people that wrote these questions, their heart was really, really good. Um, Corinth was a place it, was, it would be like our modern-day Las Vegas or New York, a lot of business, but also a lot of entertainment and sin and all of that stuff. And, and that's what this, this church was planted in the midst of that. Um, and uh, the idea was that the city would, would change, but, it, um, but that's not what was happening four years later. And so we're, we're here now getting ready to answer some of these questions that they had in, in chapter 7. Paul, the context in his life, he was a single man. He was... Uh, he was celibate. In other words, like not only was he single, he was, uh, he was abstinent. He was not, by the way, can I just say, um, just as a disclaimer, as we get into this message, um, parents, I will be talking about topics like sex, divorce, marriage, all that today. Um, singleness, uh, the whole, there's a whole gamut. We'll get into it. Um, so if, you're, if you'd like your children to hear from the pastor on this, then great. And if you'd rather talk to them at home, then we do have some other, other things available for them. So... Um, so, going, so Paul's context in life, he's single, he's celibate, he's not having sex with anybody. Um, it, depending on, on what uh, commentator you would read, uh, it, there, there's a thought that maybe he had been married at one point. Um, the reason is, is because um, he was a Pharisee and he was part of the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish governmental system and process. And so in, in that context, one of the rules, one of the, the laws there was that you had to be married. There may have been an exception, but a lot of thought was that, that he had at one point maybe been married and then and maybe his spouse had died. It may have given him um, some perspective as he, um, in multiple places in the New Testament, talks about um, his advice on marriage and, and family and all this stuff. So it, who, we don't know. That's just, a, it's not in Bible. It's just maybe, maybe some thoughts there. Um, and then in this chapter, in chapter 7, there's different places where um, he'll, it's really unique in, a, in other places in the rest of this book where he'll say something, he'll give the idea that it's his opinion. Um, maybe you've read that before. He's like, in my opinion, or, or this isn't a command of the Lord, this is just my thoughts. And, and so he says that, and then there's one place where he says, this is a command, and we'll talk about that. Um, and, and my thoughts on this is, um, there's other places in Scripture where it's not a command, but it's still inspired word of God. 
You know, there's, there's other places where God, God loves to give choice where, it, where it's appropriate for us to have choice. And, and where there needs to be command, he gives some black and white commands. The problem is, is where we take the commands and we're like, oh, those were suggestion arrows. You ever been to one of those? Uh, like you're drive, driving around and, and you see someone coming out of a parking lot. You're like, wait a minute, they're coming out the wrong way. And, because it was a suggestion arrow. Or like at Walmart, those stop signs that shouldn't be there anyways. And you're like, those are suggestion signs. Like, like this is, right, you, know, you guys know what I'm talking about. I, I, so sometimes we treat, we treat some of the commands in Scripture as suggestion arrows. And he's like, no, that wasn't a suggestion. And then we take some of the, some of the, the place of, of kind of freedom and we, and we say, no, those are commands. And, he, and so I think Paul's able to kind of bring some uh, perspective here. Um, as I'm getting ready in just a second, not yet, but in just a second, I'll share the title of the message, and as I'm getting ready, I was, I was already thinking this morning, um, I'm going to be out of town next week, and I almost decided to have one of those Holy Ghost moments where I changed the topic of my message and let Bo preach this next week. So I decided to be faithful to the Word and let Bo have the easy one. Um, here's the title. I, I couldn't come up with like, like a, just a real short one, so I just thought, well, I'm just going to just say what we're talking about. Marriage, singleness, sex, divorce, remarriage, etc. So that's what that's that's it. Does that sound good to you guys? All right. If you're taking notes, you depending on what season of life you're in, you may find something useful today. Um, marriage, singleness, sex, divorce, remarriage, etc. And I just want to I just want to say this. This is what I know. I know that in a in a group this size, and no matter where I would be sharing this, that there's going to be there's going to be pain. There's going to be hurt. I know there's a mixed audience, and especially in these first few verses, you got a man talking about, um, you know, I mean, you're like, if he was a woman, he would have said it differently. I just want you to know, I, I talked to my wife a little bit about this, and, uh, and I got permission to, to, to share. So, um, so there you go. Um, th- but there's pain, there's hurt, there's unique situations, there's physical limitations, there's medical. Si- I mean, so can we just understand in that, co- in that context, God has some things to say to us as a church. Um, here's the main thought today. The main thought that I'd like you to walk away with is this. When God is everything to you, everything else falls into place. Can I say that again? It's just real simple. If God, when God is everything to you, everything else falls into place. The trouble we get into is, is when he's just part of our life, when he's just a, an, an aspect, when he's like just one thing on the smorgasbord of, of everything else, when, then, then we start to kind of make up our own rules. And, and all the, my, my daughters, um, Kaylee just turned seven yesterday, and then, and then Aria's three and a half. Uh, actually, Aria was really disappointed that it wasn't her birthday. She, she woke up, and she was happy for Kaylee, and then she says, she starts bawling, like, I want it to be my birthday, too. Three and a half years old, we're like, it's not your birthday, get over it. And, but um, but the one thing about my daughters is this, is that they, uh, they, they make up rules to games, games that have rules. They make up rules. Did any of your kids, or do you, maybe you're that way. You're like, the only way I'm going to win this is if I, we have house rules, <laughs> right? We've got house, anybody have house rules for your card games or for your, like, board games? Like, that? like house, what's a house rule? Like, this is, like, it's not written. Like, now, now we've got Google. I can tell you what the rules are. Right now, on my phone, the rules for this is this. And, but my, my girls will, will be playing, and they make it, well, that, we got a new rule for this. And, but, the, but it's so that it works out in their favor. 
I mean, it's, it's exactly what, what we do sometimes with the Bible. And, and some of these topics in here is like we make up our rules. Um, and, and throughout society, we've even like, uh, um, in church culture, maybe we don't even know what the real rule is anymore because we've been playing by our house rules for so long. And now we're just like, oh, I never knew that was in the Bible. Well, I, some of it I was surprised too. And then I read 1 Corinthians 7. So here you go. Here you go. Paul starts answering some, some questions here. And, but we make up these rules because of fear, because of discomfort, because of ignorance sometimes, poor theology. Sometimes we're just like, man, it's just, you know what? I understand it's in the Bible, but it just doesn't work out for me. Like, it just, it, I think it would work out better. And, and God understands, and there's grace, and there's the blood of Jesus that we prayed about and sung about today. Paul is going to start talking here about sex and marriage going to address those that are single for various reasons, timing, choice, divorce, death. He's going to talk to divorced people or those that are thinking of divorce. He's going to talk about remarriage and uh, um, after divorce or after death and all of these, these questions. And we still come back to the main thought here. When God is everything to you, everything else falls into place. So can we start? Everyone say, please. First <laughs> Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 1, he says this. He says, now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man to not have sexual relations with a woman. And the wives are, stop at that verse. And the husbands are like, let's keep going, please. Right? But he says, now for the matters you wrote about. Again, this is, this is he's answering questions. Um, the quote that he mentions here, it is good for a man to not have sexual relations with a woman. This, it, it's possible it's a direct quote from their, from their letter. Um, it, it also may be Paul's opinion. But what we do know as we read on that, it's, uh, that, it, that Paul's opinion, if this is, is not within the context of marriage. If you're single, don't do it. If you're married... Absolutely, is, is, is what he's saying here. But he's, but he's addressing their questions. He's going through a list now. All right, somebody wrote in. This was, this was Sally or George, and they're like, hey, um, isn't it good to not have, to not have sex um, with, with our spouse or with anybody? And, and he goes on now with this. Um, uh, hold on here. Some of, the, some of the Corinthian Christians, they had come out of this this pagan world. They had been saved. They had come out of a pagan. There was, a, there was all kinds of gods that they were worshiping. There was lots of sexualized things going on in their culture, a lot of temple prostitution. There was all kinds of stuff. So again, the pendulum swing, even some of the married couples, one spouse or the other was saying, in order to really be pure and holy before God, we're not having sex anymore. And Paul's like, hey, that's a really good idea to not do that except for in marriage is what he's saying. In fact, he's coming from the context of being celibate himself and being, he's single and, and he's like, you're right. I think it's, I actually think it's better to be single and better to be focused that way, but you're married. And he goes on, let's watch this as he goes on. And he says, he says, but, but since sexual immorality is occurring, and it was, how many know that, I mean, Corinth was bad, do you guys believe that we're living in a sexualized culture as well? I mean, we're in Kearney, Nebraska, middle of America. I mean, it's not Las Vegas, but um, you turn on the TV or, or you get right on your phone or you 
you know, drive down the road. I mean, uh, I was talking with some accountability partners and pastors, and I'm like, I mean, I hate summer. I love summer as far as the, the warmth, but, but nobody wears clothes in the summertime. I mean, you know, I mean, like help a brother out, you know. And so this, this, he's talking about, about this culture, and, and he says, but since sexual morality, immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her, with her own husband. And, and he could have stopped there and said, hey, that's, this is a really good suggestion. He actually ups the ante twice. Watch this. Verse 3, he says, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. I think it's really interesting that he, he mentions the husband first. As I, as I was reading this, because, you know, this is the go-to chapter when things aren't going well in, uh, in the marriage union part. The husband at least is thinking, I wouldn't suggest saying it, but at least he's thinking, well, the Bible says you're not supposed to withhold. And, and so this is that place that you kind of go to, and, and people quote it and misquote it and all of this. But isn't it interesting he talks about the husband first? I thought it was interesting. I thought, I, because there's a, there's a whole picture of Christ and the church and the responsibility. Like, this isn't just a, a, a sex act that he's talking about. He's talking about, about a bigger thing going on here. And, and because we love Jesus, because why? He first loved us. Exactly. Husbands are mentioned first, and, and, then, and then the wife. The, um, this, this part here, it says uh, uh, the husband should fulfill his marital duty. In the, 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 um, oh, the complete Jewish Bible says uh, give her what she's entitled to. The, uh, the tree, tree of Life version says to fulfill his obligation to her. Um, I, I really like the New King James Version. It says uh, the affection do her. You like that? She's like, oh, that was better. I like that one better. I'm going to read that one from now on. The affection do her. The affection. You see, because we can't, we can't read this, this, uh, this chapter and, and just ignore the sex part because it is, it is absolutely a part of this. Paul's absolutely talking about it. But it goes so much more beyond this. And Paul is, is sitting here saying, like, she is due. Like, there is a duty within marriage. Husband she is absolutely, there is an obligation. She is entitled to it. I love this word, affection. Like, like yes, it includes all that, but man, you, if, and do you ever, do you know, if you ever, like, read any marriage books or go to any marriage conferences, like, one of the things that they'll say is, is, husband, like, are you filling her love tank? Like, like, are you drawing near, or is this all about you? I think if we were to just pick, like, one theme here, he, Paul's like, stop being selfish, both of you. That's why he, I think that's why he mentions the husband first. Man, I didn't know, I didn't realize I was that selfish until I got married. And then I started having kids, first kid, I'm like, oh, I'm even more selfish. Have two more, and I'm like on a, I am on a roll here, figuring out I am selfish, 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 selfish. This is a whole process of Jonathan being refined. I don't know, I mean, I'm sure there's other reasons why you have children, but part of it is so that you can, like, figure out all the stuff you need to work on yourself. He goes on to verse 4. Again, just even, even a, a, another degree. And everyone's like, could we just like 
skip to the next topic, please, right? Verse 4, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. I I like some of the different ways that translations put this. Uh, um, One translation says um, that she does not have rights, or he does not have rights. Anybody, you, you hear that and you're like, oh no. Like, I am, I, I, I like to have a sense of control. Um, there's, a, there's a place of, like, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. Right? Anybody like that? Not, not me, but other people. The, the Christian Standard Bible says, um, does not have the right. The Good News translation says, uh, is not the master. Uh, he's looking at the, the wife first and then the husband here and this person. It says, you're not the master of your body. The, the complete Jewish Bible says you're not in, in charge of. Another translation says that, that you give authority. I like this part because it, in, in this place, it's not just like, like you're restricted, but it's like you have voluntarily, you given authority of your, of your body to your spouse. You see, the husband's body is not his own and the wife's body is not her own. And we, we would all say, yeah, that's in the Bible, but now we have to like talk about it here. And we're like, what does... What does this mean? What are, we, what are we saying here? And everyone's turning shades of red and wishing that we'd go on. And I want to give you the heart. You're not going to get specifics because the Lord is going to work things out differently in different marriages, but you're going to get the heart here. And this is, this is part of the heart. It's this picture of our relationship with God. Like Christ, as the, as the perfect husband, fully gave himself for, to us laid everything down without holding anything back. He's like, it is all, even unto death, I'm laying it all down. He's saying, husbands, in another place, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Like, lay it all down. It is fully on the table. Like, even to the point, like, my body is your body. Is what he's saying here. And he's like, in the same way, church, in the, in the macro picture as a church, like, you sh- we should be fully giving everything to God and, and like, not holding anything back, not, not, not even a, a cent. Like, it is all, in the same way here, he's like, for us, like, our body, my body is yours, your body is mine within the context of marriage is what he's, that's what he's referring to. I think it's interesting that even in a male-dominated society, that the husband didn't have rights over his body. That the, isn't that crazy? That the woman, the woman owned. Like, you don't have rights over your body. Husband. She's in, even in a male-dominated society. I, I love that concept. Paul doesn't define the frequency here in, in the sexual relationship. So there's room for couples to communicate and decide and, and the needs, and the needs are going to vary depending on seasons of life and, and diff, just different needs and, 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 and all kinds of stuff, physical limitations and medical things and all this, but there's a heart here. That, that in, instead of it being an excuse, it's this place that, that, uh, that the person can say, well, man, like, I, my heart is that I want to, like, like, I want to give everything to you. My heart says that. Even though there may be a limitation, my heart is like, like I'm yours and you're mine. He, um, he goes on here and this, this, it's this thought, like he, 
Um, he's not talking about abstinence as an option in marriage. He says in verse 5, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for a time so that you may devote yourself to prayer, then come together again so that, why? So that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. In every translation I could find, it says do not deprive. There, there's no other, like, this wasn't just like, like one translation where the author's like, ah, I'm gonna, no, this is every, do not deprive. In the context of marriage, he says this. The, the NASB says stop depriving. In other words, it was what they were doing. And they thought they were being holy. They thought that they were, like, doing something pure and holy before God. Like, we're going to, we're, I'm going to deprive because, because they, what did they think? They thought sex was bad. Uh, sec, they came out of that culture where, where it was, there was a bunch of sexual morality. And so, so, so he's basically saying, no, 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 sex isn't bad within the context of marriage. In fact, if you abstain in marriage, you're setting yourself up you or your spouse for, for not only sexual morality, but all kinds of stuff, maybe even to the point of, of divorce and affairs and all of this stuff. He's like, don't do that. Don't do that at all. Again, I, I recognize and understand that, that there's pain, there's hurt, there's past abuses, there's present situations that are dysfunctional and all of this stuff. And, um, but I want you to just listen to the Lord, not just your own opinion. I just want you to just say, within that, would you just say, okay, God, I, would you give me your heart for this if you're a married couple? And he goes on in verse 6, and he says, I say this as a, as a concession, not as a command. This is one of those fir first places where he talks, it's his opinion. And he says, I say this as a, as a concession, not as a command. Um, and he's talking about this place of abstinence. He goes on to say, uh, I wish that all of you were, were as I am. In other words, he's saying that place where I said, hey, just for a, a, a season, like you could, you could just stop having sex and pray for the purpose of prayer. He's like, I would, I'm actually saying, well, that's just my recommendation. That's not necessarily from the Lord. Um, he's like, I wish all of you would be as I am. I would, and, well, how was Paul? Well, he was single and he was celibate. And what was he saying? I wish all of you were single and celibate? No, 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 no. He, because, the, because what does God say? God's like, be fruitful and multiply. God likes children. Yeah, you, 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 need, you need marriage. He created marriage. He likes kids. And, and Paul, um, he, he, even, he even recognizes it, that, it was a, that it was a supernatural gift that he walked in. I wish all of you were as I am. But each of you has your own gift. That word gift there, um, it's actually the same word gift when we get later on in 1 Corinthians and he's talking about like spiritual gifts, like supernatural gifts from the Holy Spirit. Like it's that same, like he's saying, I've been like supernaturally like empowered by God to live this way. I wish all of you were like this, but why does he say that? Because he says, I want all of you to have that same focus that I have on God, where there's not the, even the good distractions, like there's not the distraction of marriage, there's not the distraction of, of children and family, there's not the distraction of all of this. Like, like I am like fully 100% focused on the prize. I am like fully 100, I've got a fiery passion for God, and I wish all of you had that same zeroed in focus, like I do, is what he was saying. He goes on, and, uh, and now, we, now we switch topics, and everyone say, thank God. All right. <laughs> now we're switching on to another group. He, he says, now to the, 
Now to the unmarried and the widow, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And, and as we talk about, about this, this place, again, we have to understand the context that he's writing in. Um, and we'll see it a little bit later on. But not only is it, is it just a, a crazy world of sin that they're living in, but they're also living in some pressure times. Oh, well, I mean, he's saying, like, I, like it's, it's probably good to stay single during this season, during this time. It was, it was a, the context that he was writing in, um, but he's also saying, like, if you could do it, it would be a really good, good idea to stay single. Um, I, I am, just like I said, I am finding that I am focused on the Lord. He's saying that to, to everybody that's single, whether it be single because you've, you're, you've never been married or single because of whatever other situation. It's like, it is, it's, it's better that way, is what Paul's thought was. There was a, it was just answering a question about whether or not they should get married in the culture and spiritual context that they were living he goes on to verse 10, and he says, To the married I give this command. Now, it's, this is the one place, not that you don't take anything else ser- seriously, but this is the one place in this chapter where he says, This is a command, not from me, but from God. And he says this, he says, Not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. And now we touch the controversial subject of divorce and remarriage and all of this and I have not heard one sermon on this so I'm like flying blind here so I, I did I did call some some uh, people like my dad like hey I'm preaching tomorrow man I just need to know if I'm off base and he's like go for it I'm like any advice any at all <laughs> this is this is this is where where we're going like you you really, it, whether it be Paul here or Jesus in the Gospels or, or, or places in the Old Testament, like, it's pretty clear in Scripture about the, the topic of, of divorce. And where we get, get a little um, foggy is going to be in just a, just a minute. But let me just take a breath. So divorce here, this is what, this is what uh, Paul's saying. This is what God is saying, and it's a command. He's like, it is... It, Divorce is not a good option. In fact, he's like the, the number one choice for God. He's like, nobody should ever divorce. In fact, the Old Testament puts it this way. I believe it's in Deuteronomy. He says, this is what God says. He says, I hate divorce. Do you want to know why God hates divorce? Because he loves people. He loves people. He loves you. He loves me. And he knows this, that divorce, like, it actually like hurts it ruins people like like there's there's oftentimes there's kids involved but there's two hearts involved and 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 the two become one in God's mind it is impossible to separate he's like how do you separate that I saw uh, an illustration one time of like two two pieces of wood that were glued together and then they tried to separate it and part of the wood was on this side and part of the wood was on that side I mean it's just he's like I I I I hate divorce but it's not because he hates people it's because I love people is what God says I love people. He's like, and so a wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, in other words, like, it's, it, it might happen. He's like, if she does, here's this. This is what you should do. Uh, you should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to your husband. And he says in the same way for, for, your, uh, for the husband. And this is, this is interesting. He's talking about two believers here. 
and, and, he, and he, he lays it up pretty clear that if you're two believers and two believers get divorced and then two believers, and a little bit later we'll see if two believers go ahead and get married, it's called adultery. And that's like, and I want you to know, like, there's love and there's grace and we can talk, but this is, this is a, it's a big deal before the Lord. And Jesus said it the same way in the Gospels. He's like, he's like in fact, there's only a couple exceptions here. And, and we, you read about it a little bit later on, but the, but the exceptions, he's like, he's like okay, so um, you're, you're supposed to not get divorced, like, like ever. But I'll give you a way out. In other words, he's like, there's a, there, I'm going to make consensus for this. If there's adultery, you, you, could, you could get out for that reason. But it wasn't a command. It was, like, it was like him saying, if there's no way to work this out, there's a, there's a consensus for that adultery. The other way is what we read in just a few minutes is, is well, if one, of the, if one of the spouses is an unbeliever and they choose to walk away, if they're an unbeliever, you're supposed to stay is what the Lord wants you. I want you to stay. I want you to, to be Jesus to them and influence them spiritually. But if they walk away, like, like that's the other way out. And, the only, and, and, and those are the only two ways out of, of marriage. Well, I guess there's a third one. Death. You know, if the spouse dies, that's the third. Those are, and it's like, so it's a really like narrow option here. He goes on and he's, and he's, he's talking about, uh, verse, verse 39, I, I, we skipped to the end just because I, I felt like it was a little, I just wanted to bring it up to this topic. And so verse 39 and 40 says, A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. In other words, don't be unequally yoked. He must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she's happier if, she's, if she stays as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Um, and so you see again, um, I like what, what the author David Guzik says. He says, Paul will, con- will affirm celibacy, but not because sex itself is evil, as some of the Corinthian Christians thought. Instead, the unmarried state can be, a, can be superior because it offers a person, if they are so gifted, more opportunity to serve God. He goes on, verse 12, and he says, to the rest. So who's he talking to? He was talking to believers, and now he's talking to those that have a, a, a spouse that's, that's not serving the Lord. And we're hidden. We're in every, like every category of, of person that could ever be, ever alive. Now to the person um, that has a spouse that's not serving the Lord, he says, he says, I say this, I, not the Lord. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who's not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Now, let me just stop there. There is a lot of question marks around this, and I'll, I'll tell you this, it's not talking about um, salvation. This doesn't, like, uh, if you're a believer and you're married to, your, to a, an unbelieving spouse, uh, that marriage doesn't mean that they get to go to heaven because you are, and, and it also doesn't mean that those children get to go to heaven because, because you're saved. I, this is the way I interpret, I, I encourage you to just study the word and, and, and re- research it out. I, I believe that there, is, uh, that there is like a covering. It's interesting, like for um, the wife, that the wife can, in this verse, can actually be a cover, a spiritual covering over that home. 
uh, even for an unbelieving husband. And, and so there's like a covering there. I believe it is, there is an, uh, a better chance. It is easier for those in that home with one person believing. It's easier for them to, at some point in their life, find the Lord. It is so much harder for the unbelieving couple out there with unbelieving children. It's, it's not impossible. It's just harder. Like within this context, he's just saying there's like you actually sanctify that home. There's like a, there is a protection. There's a covering over that place. That's how I, that's what, how I go. And you can say, I believe you or don't. And, you, and, and that's all right as you're wrestling with the scripture. Verse 15, he says, but if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. This is that way out that he talked about. The brother or sister is not bound in, in uh, such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether, whether uh, you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So he was obviously answering this question. If my spouse is an unbeliever, should I divorce them now that I'm a believer? Paul's answering this question to the Corinthian church. Again, they're getting saved out of that lifestyle that they were living. One, one spouse is saved, the other one isn't, and they had a legitimate question. Uh, like, should we get divorced now so that I could like, live holy and, and pure before God? And, and Paul's like, hey, great heart, but wrong, wrong answer. In fact, in fact, you're not really looking at it with, with eternity in mind. You're not looking at it for the long road and the long picture. You're just looking at it right now for what maybe be easier for you. He's like, stick it out. Stick it out. How do you know that? Like, they might, they might give their heart to Jesus because you stick it out and you show them Jesus by the way you live your life. You guys doing all right? Good. <laughs> Me too. Verse 17. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them just as God had called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. You skip to verse 24. It says, Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. And in, the, in between those two verses, he's talking about various things of, of when they were called and, and what situation they were living in. And I mean, it could be, he talks about circumcision and uncircumcision and married and unmarried and single or whatever. And and here's the here's the idea is is paul is wanting the believers primary focus to be on the lord in their relationship with him the 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 primary purpose for our life is not marriage the the number one goal in life is not to have kids the number one goal in life is not to just have a bunch of kids and grandkids and great great grandkids and and like live, live the dream like, it's a good idea, and it's a good goal. It's just not the number one. And Paul's like, hey, woo, let's come. Can we come back to, like, like, first things first here? First things first. This isn't, like, this isn't the number one goal. The number one goal is, the, is our relationship with the, with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit. He's, wanting, he's also wanting to save them from, like, extra hardship and all of these things. He goes on into verse 29. He says, what I mean. He's like, maybe I'm confusing you. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as, as they do not. Everyone's like, what? That's a confusing verse. And here, again, you, you hear the heart here that Paul's saying. He's, what, he's, what he's not, he's not advocating the neglect of our spouses and families by any means. He's saying live in light of eternity. Do not live as, as if your earthly family 
is all that matters. If you choose to stay single, do it under the Lord. If you choose to get married, do it under the Lord. But you're number one. How many know that it's a good idea for our number one priority to be God? How many know that it's more than just our number one? Like, like everything should revolve around our relationship with the Lord. Like he is more than one. He's everything. If he's everything to you, everything else falls into place. He, he's saying this. He's like, so if being single is like a distraction to you because you really want to be married or there's sexual temptation, he's like, get married because marriage is going to like bring you closer to God, let me tell you. He's like, he's like, but, but if, if getting married is going to be something that's going to draw you away from the Lord, stay single. Like, like this, it isn't like some, some thing that everybody needs to do because, because we're all doing it and I need to keep up with the Joneses. He's, he's like, no, no, like you're number one. If anything, and there's a whole list here between verse 17 and, and uh, what was it? What was it? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, verse 24. Like, it's like, if, if there's anything, that's going to crouch in, that's going to cut in on your relationship with God. If there's anything, just, just don't do it. And, and if you're in a situation that you're sensing, man, I've already been married, and my relationship with the Lord is, is tanking, or, or I'm single, and my he's like, figure out a way in your, because here's the issue. It, it, wasn't even, it wasn't even just the situations. He's like, there's a, there's a heart here. There's a heart here. The heart was that it, he, you don't you don't focus on family and you don't focus on children and you don't focus on on sex and you don't focus on he's like the heart is that if there's anything that's cutting in I put him first I put him first it goes on to verse 32 it says I would like you to be free from concern as an unmarried man is Con, is concerned about uh, the Lord's affairs, how, can, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world. How can he please his wife? In verse 34, and, he, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. And he sums it up beautifully in this verse, in verse 35. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Can everybody say, like, that's a, that's a good idea right there? I, I'm not saying this to restrict you. In fact, Paul's like, some of this is my opinion. I, I think even though it's Paul's opinion, out of every spiritual advisor in your life, probably the opinion of the Apostle Paul who wrote Bible is a good one to listen to. He's like, this is, some of this is my opinion, but I'm not saying all this stuff to restrict you. I'm saying this to free you. I'm saying this to, that you might live in an undivided devotion to the Lord. And some of you find yourself in, in some of these different situations. You're married, you're single, you're divorced, you're widowed, you're wherever, and you're struggling with this or with that. And I mean, uh, one of these things that we, that we touched on was, was like if you, were, if you were believers and you got divorced and then you got remarried, like it's actually adultery. And, and my thought, I called my dad, I'm like, what do you do with that? I read, a, I read an article online from some like really strict, you know, I'm not even going to say who it was from. And, 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 and I'm not even going to say what they recommend, but you can... 
I'm like, what do you do? I don't know. I'm like, they're, 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 they're remarried. I've, I've got friends like that. Maybe you do too. Maybe you're one of them. And, and this, is my, this is my thought, and I feel like it's, I feel like it's from the Lord, and, but would you test it? Here's my thought. Is you recognize that it absolutely is adultery. Could you just own your stuff? If you were a believer, you got divorced, you got remarried, it's, 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 it's adultery. Uh, before God because your original marriage he he looked at that and he said that was like that was a bond that was a covenant and 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 I and I recognize that so could you recognize that and then would you just before the Lord just repent maybe you never have maybe maybe whatever and it's been years and all would you just say God man I'm I'm sorry like I did it my own way, and and I and we were believers, and, and we got divorced, and, and but even more than just divorced, like we remarried, and you recommended us not even get remarried because because that would be adultery. Lord, I am just so sorry. Could you just say before God, I'm just sorry, and and and, and in that place where where it's like uh, like that grieve that place of grieving before the Lord, just say, man, I'm sorry. I never I never intended whatever it might be, and just if you need to get on your knees, if you just in your car, if you want to be. Just say, just say, I'm sorry, and repent. And then here's here's my next thing. Like from this day forward, now you know. From this day forward, would you would you just like obey the Bible? <laughs> from this day forward, don't make up your own rules like my girls and their games. <laughs> like from this day forward, like you've repented in your heart. Now do it God's way. Now receive the blessing of the Lord and do it God's way. From this day forward. Does that sound good? Everyone say good job. <laughs> Let's stand as the worship team's coming. When he's everything to you, everything else falls into place. I know we left a lot of questions unanswered. I, I'd, be, I'd be willing to sit down and talk with you. I probably don't have the answer because it would have I would have shared it. But the Lord does. The Lord knows. Holy Spirit all over this room. Lord, we touched a lot of areas and pressed a lot of buttons. And, and God, I'm just, I'm just asking for your love and your grace and your healing to just wash over this place. Lord, that in every lie that people have believed over time, Lord, that, that truth would free them from those lies. Lord, every place of hurt, that there would be healing. Lord, every place of misunderstanding, that, that your truth would come and bring understanding. Lord, there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation over this house. Lord, as you're leading us individually and as a church toward places of revival and presence, Lord, anything that hinders, Lord, even in our marriages and in our personal lives, Lord, anything that would hinder revival, Lord, would you show to us? Because we just want you. We just want you. We're just going to close with a song. And if you need prayer for anything in your life, any area, any area you want freedom, any area that's just, man, it's just too big for you and you want someone to agree with you, lay hands on you or just agree, maybe share a prophetic word or encouraging word, would you just come forward? There'll be some people up here to just pray with you. And I'm going to sing this one last song together. Before we worship with a song, we're going to worship with a testimony. Um, from our uh, Bo's prayer before, uh, or at the uh, end of our worship time this morning, um, prayer over Cricket and her back. So, Cricket? Yeah, I've had um, numbness pretty bad on this side. Before. Oh, probably since November it started. And 
it just is like this hip sits like this. Um, and it's been pretty painful. I haven't been able to do like workouts and stretching and um, I've kind of just got used to the sting. Um, but the sting is gone. And like after I left here, I sat on the couch and I haven't been able to do that without pain for a very long time. And like I can, I can move without it stinging me back. We serve a God who heals, cares about things like that. Was born. 